we continuing on in Isaiah 47 chapter about this woman, the, de- the defeat and humiliation and shame of this woman of Babylon of Isaiah the 47th chapter. And I was telling you, we need to get the imagery of the symbolism and everything behind this woman that he's telling to sit on the ground that he's bringing to a defeat because that's Babylon pictured as a woman. But this entity is not just a female by sex. It's with all of the descriptive characteristics that goes along with using that word woman. So this is male or female. This is, this is not a specific gender. And we know Babylon, not the beast, Babylon is an entity, a spiritual entity at times, but it's also a political entity. We know that with Babylon, it's the Babylonian system, a Babylonian system that's worldwide in the end times. Babylon is anything that opposes against God. It's the rebellious. So that would include the whole world. The woman is sitting astraddle of all of the, the waters, which is symbolic of all of the peoples. Now, when it says people, that means the unbelievers. It is calling us out of Babylon, his people, out of Babylon, so we won't partake of her plagues. So we know it's not a geographical calling out. So this means we're going to have to be cleansed or purged by the word of God so that anything of this Babylonian system cannot be found in us the attributes of this Babylonian system, the characteristics of it, because if so, we take part in whatever plagues or sickness or consequences it is that's being poured out on Babylon. Uh, Revelation 16, 17 through 19 says, Then the seven angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne of God, saying, It is done. It is all over. It is accomplished. It has come. And there were flashes of lightning and loud rumblings and peals of thunder. And there was a massive earthquake. Nothing like it has ever occurred since mankind originated on earth. It was so severe and far-reaching was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And God kept in mind Babylon the Great to give her the cup of the wine of the fierce and furious wrath. So everyone has drunken out of this cup, the cup of the wrath of Babylon. And I told you we have to dissolute, uh, get away from all of the characteristics of anything that was in the world. We have to be being cleansed by the word of God. So a lot of these consequences is going to be part of overcoming the wrath that's being poured out on the earth. It rain, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust, but maybe not to the same degree. These verses are actually the introductions to chapters 17 and 18. 
which featured the description of Babylon the Great. They also served to introduce the term great. Now, great has many applications, but in relation to Babylon, it it implies power, wealth, authority, influence, and evil. In other words, all of these vestiges or attitudes or characteristics are magnified in Babylon. That's why it says Babylon the Great. Now, reckoning day is here. The adjudication of the sentence, it says, has fallen. So the sentence is being carried out. Not that it's completely carried out, but the time of that judgment has come. It is at hand. It is arisen. This adjective should be kept in mind as part of the virtu- uh, as part of virtually every aspect of the character of Babylon. So, if we have these characteristics in us, in us, those portions fall upon us. Uh, it causes problems for us. That's why he's issuing the warning: "Come out of her! Come out of her, my people!" So you won't be a partaker of our plagues and the wrath that's falling upon them. Verses 17 and 3 says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman set upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Notice that she's riding the beast at this time. She's atop of the beast which will change over a period of time before this chapter is over with. In verse 16, we'll see that the beast ultimately destroys and consumes this woman. What is added in this verse is that the woman is riding the beast. So, like I said, look at the positional characteristic here that whatever this entity is, spiritual, whatever it may be, it's not a church, but it's an influence. It's in the world. It's a seducing spirit that's in the world. It's a luring spirit, a spirit that's very attractive. Um, now, when something is positioned on top of it, like a man riding a horse or you sitting on your car driving or something, it shows a position of control. It shows a position of control. And this woman is identified as the mystery Babylon the Great. We notice that word mystery there. Mystery. Now for her to be riding the beast, there must be at least some relationship between her and the beast for her to be able to ride this beast. But over a period of time, it's like Satan. Over a period of time, this relationship degenerates. It's not the same at the whole throughout the time. It says because after all, when something is called a beast, and we know beast, we call governmental systems beast. We see the outworking of this relationship in the Republican Party, how they're kind of going against one another, they're fighting, that they at each other's throats right now. I think it's Margaret 
Marjorie Taylor Greene or whatever her name is and Lauren Boebert are after one another. Kevin McCarthy is trying to get the Speaker of the House position, but he don't know if he'll get that. They're talking about dumping Trump this year and that maybe DeSantis or somebody else to run for president or whatever. So it's all types of chaos, and it's happening in the Democratic Party, one running against another. But we know a beast is something that's kind of wild or rambunctious, and it's not that easy to tame, and sometimes the beast turns on us. We have a problem with animals turning on people, and so we see this beast system. So we can say the woman may be humanism, a form of humanism or whatever is 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 there with Babylon, but then uh the both of them as I said is part of the same general system, that Babylonian system, but there's a falling out. It's a falling out. So I'm not saying antichrist because you remember I described Babylon as being anti God. But this thing that we're fighting against spiritual wickedness in heavenly or high places and principalities and powers, I think all some all these are inherent in that woman. The Greek word for Babylon or this Babylonian system is the cosmos, meaning an orderly system that is against God, the cosmological order against God. That's what he's going to bring down to shame and to utter defeat. And he, in the beginning of Isaiah, there he says, virgin daughter, uh, for her, the woman that sit on, sit on the ground and sitting on the ground was symbolic of mourning or distress or in a losing posture, just like Satan was struck down to the ground. He said, on your belly thou shalt go for, you know, because he was cursed above every beast. Now, as I was saying, they both being a part of that same system, but they're separate and different. Yet having a relationship within that system, I have it somewhere here where Revelation tells us a little bit more about this distinction. Uh, God clearly reveals two distinct different aspects of applications or approaches within the Babylonian system. And the woman and the beast represent these. The beast is depicted in Revelation 13 and 2 as consisting of the strongest part of a leopard, a bear, and a lion. Now each one of these beasts is this, with that symbolism of leopard. You know, a leopard, if you get attacked by a leopard, he, you usually go die. A leopard is fight, fight you to the death. A bear and a lion. And it's the woman is astride this beast. Each of these beasts are, are very powerful, and that a woman on her own would be no match for it. But it seems as though, you know, remember God says, "Whoever restrains." It seems like God's helping this woman to the point that she achieves his objective of what he's trying to do, because she wouldn't have the strength to fight with this beast or overcome this beast because sooner or later we see this beast overcomes the woman and devours her. A human approach to life and its events would certainly be uh, different 
than a beastal approach, than the approach of most governments. And that's why I say in this political party, they're not approaching it, a government is not approaching it from a point, a standpoint of humanism, uh, of being humanistic, a uh, uh, human life. What, and that's what I think is represented by the woman. You see, you see more of a human approach to mothering. You know, a child won't turn on his mother as he would his father or whatever. A maternal instinct there, the woman is more, or should be more human. I hope I'm getting this point over to you. Yeah. The woman is totally, it's of the same, in the, but it's different aspects of the woman, but they all both in this Babylonian system. So they both has to go, but we're trying to analyze this, and it says in Revelation 17, that the woman who would appear on the surface to be weaker is riding the beast. Uh, and so, wonder how did she get that control or when this... And maybe the beast comes alive after this seduction and he finds out sometime when we find out over a period of time just what a person is uh, that we can't overpower that person. We do do that exactly. Do that. Just like it says the woman wanted to have control over the, her desire shall be unto the husband, but he shall bear rule over him. But sooner or later, sometime the woman overcomes the man, the man allows this to be, but the man should be stronger than the woman. Uh, Revelation 18 and 3 says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. So we see all of this that the woman is a more of a merchandising aspect too. We see where mamma is involved because, but the spiritual party says they drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. For all nations have drunk the fatal wine of her intense immorality. In other words, she brought about this immorality or contamination uh, as one of the reasons God says a woman should teach a usurped authority because she was in transgression because she was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. Adam knew. The rulers of the earth have enjoyed themselves with her, and businessmen throughout the world have grown rich from all her luxurious living. Babylon the Great is clearly the economic nerve center of the world trade, but not of religion. Not of religion. And that's what I say. We want to be careful using the word religion with spiritualism, a spiritualism. Notice first the kings of the earth bewail her destruction and then the businessmen follow suit because that's why I said the material aspect of it, their hate that this woman is being destroyed and humiliated. Yes. And they begin to wail and mourn. And we don't see anybody wailing and mourning uh, the, the business world over a church falling or what happens within a church or whatever. So these leaders are bewailing the destruction of an entity in which their power and wealth 
involve placing them in grave danger of overwhelming loss because Babylon is no longer able to consume their products. These people aren't really concerned with the well-being of this woman. It's just what advantages did they get from this woman. So that's what I said. Notice it says that they wouldn't be able to no longer consume their products, the businessmen and the merchants traveling the sea and all the stuff that they have. So it's the people, and this is going to require a lot of praying and looking at this because, as I said, it's a mystery, and a mystery is something God has to reveal to you. In other words, you can't figure it out, and I really can't teach it to you. I can put you on the road to it and tell you what you need to do. But it's prayer to God, studying his word, for God to reveal. Jesus Christ has to reveal this mystery to you. He has to show it to you. Revelation, the 18th chapter, third, seven, third verse, 7 verse, 19 and 23 verse. Of clear inferences and direct statings are regarding wealth, not only of Babylon itself, but also of those who trade with her. Revelations 18 and 7 says she lived in luxury and pleasure. Match it now with torments and sorrow. She boasts, I am a queen upon my throne. I am no helpless widow. I will not ever experience sorrow. What we see God does bring this into her life because of her pride and arrogance. But she did live a luxurious life and was sort of insulated away from these things. So this is a supernatural spirit breaking all of these entities down, causing the fall. That's what I say. God, through his sovereignty, is bringing about his will. This is the day of the Lord. So this this justice that's being rendered of this judgment is because his righteousness is beginning to reign on earth and he's bringing forth his people. Thus, that day of the Lord is not a good day for everybody. It's a day of judgment and torment and destruction. 18 and 19 says, And they will throw dust on their heads in their sorrow and say, Alas, alas, for that great city. She made us all rich from her great wealth, And now in a single hour, it is gone. Now notice whatever way that they made her wealthy or was given to her, that it was exchanged for material goods that they were selling them. They were merchandising to her, but in exchange, I don't know the currency or how she was paying for them. And it also may come along with the mark of the beast. You have to have these characteristics to buy and sell, but we see this is in jeopardy, all of the buying and selling, because at one point they cast all of their money and their earnings away because of the judgment that's coming out from these bold judgments. Verse 23 says, Dark, dark will be her nights. Not even a lamp and a window will ever be seen again. No more joyous wedding bells and happy voices of the bridegroom. Her businessmen were known around the world, and she deceived all nations with her sorceries. This is witchcraft. It's something like the witch at Endor. 
showed Samuel coming up to Saul. Saul seeing this, but it was sorceress. It was necromancy. And then we know God forbids this. And so it's not of a biblical thing. It's against God. It opposes God. All this divination and all of these things opposes God. Now, scriptures we know can... It can carry us a certain way. And uh, I, I hadn't been following it too close at this thing with Kanye West, Kanye or whatever you say his name, West or Ye. And then Donald Trump and some of the other people, and they're talking about the Jewish people. And they, you know, they were saying about every corporation or every company that the Jews run the world, the economical system, the banking system, the monetary the monetary system. It's they're responsible uh, for causing the prosperity of Germany, Japan. Taiwan, South Korea, and now China through trade. Now this is God's people, German, uh, the Jews. So we have to see this aspect of that these are the people that rejected God. You remember I said they had became very wealthy in Babylon and the largest percentage of them remain in Babylon because of the economic and other things that was taking place. In Revelations 18 and 10, it says, They stand far off, trembling with fear and crying out, Alas, Babylon, that mighty city, in one moment her judgment has failed. Now, verses 17 and 18 are not describing a church, but a city, a nation, that is involved in massive worldwide merchandising and manufacturing. And I don't see where the Catholic Church is directly involved in manufacturing goods and things or whatever, but they are, are invested in it. I'm sure that they are in, heavily invested in it. And this would be part of Babylon, I would think, the stock market. You know, as the stock market fell, a lot of people would lose money and lose things. So this is part of the back Babylonian system, and I think in Japan it's called the Nikkei. I don't know what it's called in China or whatever. But those economic markets, if that crash or when that falls, tons of people are losing tons of money. Tons of money. And they're talking about how much Tesla and other companies are losing as Elon Musk sells his shares of stock. Now, like I say, we're looking at a prophetic picture of globalism, as we call it today, which cannot describe a religious or church organization. This is more or less the world economy of merchants and different things. This portion of Babylon and Revelation 17 provides no information tying this woman riding the beach to a particular religion or religions. And a lot of people talk about the Catholic Church and this is the mother of harlots and the Protestant churches. And I may have said that from time to time without being enough studied in as far as I am now. Maybe I've evolved on that, on that situation 
because commentaries and things only go so far, but a mystery is something that God revealed to his people. So a lot of people that write the commentaries and other things, they're just scholars or whatever. They're not in direct communication. They may not be spiritual. Corinthians talks about that being spiritual. The daughters in Ezekiel 16th chapter, here talking about women, Ezekiel the 16th chapter, the 44th through the 48th verse, include everybody within the city. So when it says woman in Isaiah and the rest of the places, this Babylon woman, the mother of harlots or whatever, like I said, it's not gender specific. It would include everybody. So here in Ezekiel 16, 44, 48, it includes everybody within the city. It says, Behold, everyone that useth Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, As is the mother, so is the daughter. Thou art thy mother's daughter that loathe her husband and her children, and thou art the sister of thy sisters which loathe their husbands and their children. Your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. And thine elder sister is Samaria, and she and her daughters that dwell at thine left hand, and the younger sister that dwelleth at that right hand is Sodom and her daughters. Yet hast thou not walked after their ways, nor done after their abomination, but as if that were a very little thing, thou wast corrupted more than they in all thine ways. As I live, said the Lord, Sodom thy sister had not done she nor her daughters as thou hast done and thy daughters. <clears throat> now he's talking about a whole system, city, the nation of Judah when he's talking here because he's calling one Sodom and the other one Gomorrah. He's talking about Israel and Judah. So he's saying some pretty harsh things about his people. And that's what I said about the Jews ruling world economies and all of these other things. We have to look at it. It would, If it was, it would be only those that oppose God. And we know all of them don't accept Jesus Christ. And they wrestle against an unknown God that they're fighting against. And it's only Jesus who can reveal God to them. And we see that these people are not walking in God's statutes, his commandments. And, and that's the problem. That's why I say you become a Babylonian, a Babel, part of the Babylonian system, because Babylon is anyone and everyone at, at the end time that oppose God or the things of God. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on here, and that's male or female. Ezekiel 16 and 53 describes the Jews coming back to their former state. So that will be a restoration. It was a restoration. And it wasn't just women coming back. It was the men, women, and children, and everyone coming back. So the restoration is neither male nor female. But it's talking, uh, it's being used, the word daughters is used in a collective sense in the book of, of all of the people, of everyone coming back. But it used the terminology daughters because thus used in cities and the word daughters of women. Okay, so don't get too far astraddle of that. In the book of Lamentations, the third chapter in the fifth to first verse, God also refers to all of Jerusalem's inhabitants 
that's male and females as daughters. This is what Lamentation 351 says. Why my eye affected my heart because of all the daughters of my city. So it's not just referring to women. It's talking about a collective body of people. Uh, the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery on page 194, uh, there may, may be some other editions, but it should be on page 194, speaks about daughters or daughters of. The Hebrew idiom reflects a double metaphor common in the culture of the ancient Near East. A capital city was personified as a woman and the inhabitants of that city collectively as her daughters. So Jerusalem remains distinct as she was whose husband is the one God, Yahweh. Everybody else was polytheistic around them. Babylon, Egypt, and all of them worship a multiplicity of gods. They were polytheistic, whereas Judah was the only nation that was monotheistic. Thus her daughters, the collective inhabitants of that city, and that's what that identity, just as our identity, just as I was telling you a while ago, we know that Jesus is the one and only true God. Yes. And when we say Jesus is the one, one and only true God, we're speaking of Jesus as being the fullness of the Godhead, consisting of three per- persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. Yes. So we see th- those things distinctive about it. So terms like a words when you're studying certain books in certain contexts, terms like sons, daughters, children, and harlot, as well as other descriptive terms like seed, adulterers, and liars are used collectively without regard to a specific gender when the sense of the term is thus showing the characteristics of those people. Like like I said, you have to read the context of what we're reading. So I don't want somebody to say, well, you're just pulling that out of context. And uh, yeah, I may have pulled that sentence in this out of context, but I'm using it in the way it's used in that context within that sentence. So I wouldn't pull it out of a context when he's saying your daughter shall marry and present this as a diary. Well, we, we see that that context is gender specific and it's talking about the woman. Or if it says the son's going to war and they should be of a certain age or whatever, yeah, I'm pulling it out of context, but we know we're talking gender specifically about a male here. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking out of Babylon, the 47th chapter here about this woman, about this lady that he says bear the thigh, he's not talking an actual, just a woman. He's talking their shame in a bomona naked condition that's man or woman to the... You understand what we're saying now? So, that is what a child does show the characteristics of the parent. A child shows the characteristics of the parent regardless of whether they're male or female. But within a relationship, that's why God created a male and female and the woman would marry the man and they become one flesh of one people, but so far as some characteristics, 
they bear a share-in reflective of the parent, but we could see it becomes gender-specific when God says a man shouldn't wear that that pertaining to a woman or a woman wear that pertaining to a man. He's being gender-specific there. So some characteristic with the child do a way to raise up a son is different from the daughter for for being a man. You know, and that's why when Paul says, I suffer a woman not to teach a usurp authority over a man. He's being gender specific there, and it's a reason he's doing it is because of God's created order. And so the inhabitants of Jerusalem showed the characteristics of Jerusalem. That is why Hosea is told to write, they are all adulterous. And he was talking about all of Jerusalem. And he says, they're not, it's not, they're, it's, she's not my wife. Because they don't have the characteristics of someone married to God. As Paul is shaping us to be chaste virgins under Christ, he's going to present us as chaste virgins, and that means that we should be flawless without spot or blemish, and he, we bearing that we should be like him, made in his image and his likeness. The characteristics are there, or else we'll be destroyed because we're part of Babylon. Thus he tells us to come out of Babylon. In the Revelation, the city of Babylon is the symbolic woman, and it said to be the mother of harlots, which is used in the same way as daughters, that is, collectively, including the males. Thus, all of her offspring, male and female, are to be considered as harlots. And you know what a harlot is. It is not something limited to church denominations. Notice her identification contains the name Mystery Babylon, a mystery of harlots. And I told you about that word, mystery. Mystery in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 9. And I don't know if I wrote it down. Hold on just a second. I've been going on and I had this recording off. I think I stopped at Corinthians. I'm going to have to go back. Give me a minute here. I stopped when I was trying to find this verse at Corinthians. A biblical mystery is something that God must reveal for one to understand. And so in Corinthians, I went there to find that. Now, I'm not going back because I got trapped in there on with this recording or whatever. But God had made or uh, initiated us into where we could understand this mystery. That there's a mystery of iniquity and there's a mystery of godliness. And once we start that regeneration... He makes it so his people, not all of the world, can understand the word of God or the mystery of God. Understand that mystery. And it's not for everyone. And if we find this, sometimes we don't go back and try to explain it to the world because they can't, can't understand it. And they can't just, a lot of people want to go somewhere and understand, uh, say, we're going over the book of Revelations. Are we going, well, have you studied Jeremiah? Have you studied Ezekiel or Isaiah? Because without studying all of those books, you don't understand what Revelation is talking about. You don't know what the wine of her wrath is about because Jeremiah was sent back. He told people, God told me you have to 
caused all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of, of her fornication. In other words, drinking of the cup. Drinking of the cup. Jesus told his disciples, are you worthy to drink of the cup? I'm drinking. They say, yeah, we're worthy. They say, you shall drink the cup. But it meant a different thing to them. He, they wasn't able to die to death. He was going to die. But a lot of them drunk the, the cup. They died that death. But the wine, this spiritual entity, this woman has made the whole world drunken. And it says with her fornications and adulteries and all that was in the cup. And we have to drink the whole cup. But then he regenerates us. He calls us and he starts to purge all of this stuff out of us, which we have drank and had shaped us. He makes us a new man. There's a regeneration going on. Uh, it is a mystery is not something right on the surface that anybody looking at the book of Revelations can stumble across and quickly understand. The woman's identification is not something easily seen, so I'm trying to keep telling you about the woman throughout here that it's not so easy to put your hands on who she is and what she is, but if you stay prayerful to the Lord and studying his word, as you need this information, being led by the Spirit of God, it's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. That truth that you need at that time, He's going to make manifest to you. That's why we have to stay in prayer and supplications, making our requests unto the Lord, and He'll give us the wisdom and knowledge to understand what we're going through. So that's why we pray to God. We ask Him for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And as the disciples, he opened up their understanding that they could understand the scriptures. Uh, the, of mystery, William Barclays, the letters to the Corinthians says, the Greek word mysterion means something whose meaning is hidden from those who have not been initiated, but to those, but crystal clear to those who have. So the world and different people can't understand what we're talking about or what the spiritual man is talking about because it's to those who are spiritual and not carnal, not fleshly, for them to understand it. It's a clearer meaning as it was to Daniel and some of the others. He says, seal it up, and then at the end time, he would open it up, and in the book of Revelation, he's giving us a clearer meaning to his spiritual children those that he has circumcised their hearts that are being led by the Spirit, the Spirit making it known to us. Uh, the phrase mother of harlots is kind of misleading or misinterpreted because of the collectivism that it means of being harlot, a mother of harlotry, in other words, bringing forth all of this other stuff, the matrix of where this stuff begins at. Uh, Revelation 17 and 16. The woman and the beast represent political power with a somewhat diverse and competing application of the Babylonian system. According to this principle, though, in Mark, the third chapter, in the 24th through the 26th verse, that is, Satan is a house divided against itself, and a house divided against itself can't stand. So a lot of people think Satan rules hell. 
but Satan doesn't rule hell. He's not a ruler of those because it's Satan is a house divided against itself, and that house can't stand. So Satan may be chief among the devils, but they're all fighting for the same thing. There's no unity in evil. It's only unity and peace in God. That's what is driving here, this competition, and it will eventually escalate into war. I tell you, it was going to come to war where they end up destroying the woman. The woman is probably, as I told you earlier, and keep trying to go back over it, the woman would probably be the merchandising or material aspect of Babylon. Uh, remember that the king stood afore off in Revelations 18, 9, and 19 and saw her burning. Now that was something that was burning, but what I'm looking at, if they was the businessmen, they the ones who had the merchandise and everything. So this mark or this thing of the woman must have been consumerism. You remember I told you had a humanistic it caused them, uh, it caused the people that she was sitting astride of on those waters to have a lust and a, 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 a desire for the world and the things of the world. And these things of the world was being burned up, was being destroyed within this woman. And the people that tell the soul this stuff was hurt because no one wanted, was going to want these things anymore, so their livelihood was gone. It says, And the world leaders who took part in her immoral acts and enjoyed her favors will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. So this is the end. This is destruction of the woman. They will stand afar off, trembling with fear and crying out, Alas, Babylon, the mighty city, in one moment her judgment has failed. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. So that's why I say it's the destruction of the people because it says there's no one left to buy their goods to sell it to. So you see where this destruction and judgment where a great percentage of mankind is destroyed within this woman. But it's not all of mankind because the merchants are looking at this happen. So the beast and the rest of the people that are looking at this destruction of the women, the woman, which is both a part of the Babylonian system. It says... The merchants of the earth will weep. She was their biggest customer for gold and silver and precious stones, pearls, finest linens, purple, silk, and scarlet, and every kind of perfumed wood, and ivory goods, and most expensive wood carvings, and brass, iron, marble, and all of these things. So we see all of this happening the businessmen and the people that are mourning that this has happened, that Babylon is falling. It's like they're calling the woman Babylon, but they, they themselves are Babylon also. Yes. Yep. 
but there's a destruction because they can no longer do business. Uh, there's no one to do business with. They can't sell their goods or merchandise, so they must have had goods and merchandise also, but the consumers of those goods and merchandise are no longer in the market. Whether there's no demand or no ability to buy or carry forth with these things. And I told you at the beginning of Revelation 17, the woman was sitting on and riding this beast. She was riding it, and they said, Revelation 17 and 6. That's why I say you have to study it and look at it. It says, but the angel said to me, why do you wonder or try to figure this out? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. Now he says he's going to explain to us, but we don't see a step-by-step explanation or illustration so it must be knowledge God gives to his people of the difference of these two. Because he says, I'm going to explain to you the mystery the, uh, must, the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her. Because she was riding this beast. Now, as I told you, and the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the prostitute of the harlot. They'll hate this woman and will make her desolate. You remember? And Isaiah where they must be doing the bidding of God like Assyria was and like everybody else to do. Because you remember he says that the woman was going to be desolate and to sit down, uncover the thigh. Her nakedness was exposed and she was in shame. It says they make her desolate and naked. In other words, they strip her, stripped her of power and influence and will eat her flesh and completely consume her with fire. These are the businessmen. This is the ten horn. These is the other power structure. In the living, it says the scarlet animal. Remember I told you it was hard to tame this beast. And at one while, God was helping the woman because the woman was sitting on and riding this beast. So he must be taken out of the way, that restraining influence. In the book of, I think it's Thessalonians, where it say, he who restrains until he be taken out of the way. That's when this beast turns and consumes the woman. It says, a scarlet animal and his ten horns, and horns are symbolic of powers, and we know these are the ten different governments that complete the beast. It says, which represent ten kings who will reign with him. All hate the woman and will attack her and leave her naked and ravaged by fire. Now, this does not happen until God puts it into the heart of the kings who make up the beast to do this. God, after a while, restrain, move that restraint that was up on them. And we begin to see at that point uh, that the weaker vessel no longer controls this beast and it will be destroyed. Uh, within the practical reality of international, political, and economic military affairs, the beast may be resentful and unwilling to do as the woman directs her. There's come a time when rebellion, there comes a time when your son or daughter no longer listens at you. Mm-hmm. 
That's the rebellion that takes place with the beast and the woman seems to be. That's built in, that comes to a point. And as wild animals, it would undoubtedly resist her. And so after enough fighting with our children or whatever, we have to be separated or we'll kill one another. That's why it says a man shall marry and leave his father and mother and set up his own household or whatever. But we see here no union, but we see a a complete destruction that the beast is no longer submissive to the woman, which is all part of God's will. But this woman, we have to keep analyzing this woman so that we don't become this woman. But we also can't be a part of this beast So both of them is in Babylon, and we have to come out of Babylon. This is a destroying influence. So I think we'll get better strength, health, and a longer life if we would take heed to these scriptures and pray that God opens an understanding and helps our walk because we're in these last days, and this prophecy is the last day prophecy of Isaiah. And we have to, it is necessary that we get an understanding of this because, like I said, one of the things is humiliation that happens to the woman, this beast of Babylon. And we don't want to be humiliated or made ashamed. And God says that those of his children wouldn't be made ashamed. Uh, And we also know that... uh, We don't want to be defeated. And Christ says, if God be for you, who could be against you if he's for you? So we want to make sure we're on the right side and partaking of his word and growing by his word. I'll take questions and answers now from anyone that needs to talk on this subject. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you, Lord God.